Hello and welcome to the Albion Social, your number one podcast for all things West Bromwich Albion. My name's Brad, also known as Albion Insights, and as always, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Alfie from the Baggies Bible. So today we've got two games to cover again. We've got the winning over the mighty, mighty Tigers on Saturday at the Hawthorns, and also previewing um, the away game against Saints this Saturday coming. So... I think let's just get straight into it, Alf. You want to give me your thoughts on how we set up against Hull, how we set up tactically, um, personnel-wise. How do you think we played against them on Saturday? How did we play? I thought we played very well, actually. Um, I saw a lot of people talk about the first half saying it it wasn't that good. Um, But to be honest, in the general sense, it probably wasn't that good. But I thought we did well to stop Hall, um, kind of getting into the box. Hall, to me, in the first half, just wanted to get the ball back and recycle possession and kind of go back from the centre-halves or the goalkeeper every single time. And I felt like we stopped that so well in the first half. And uh, I thought we built on that in the second half. And uh, I thought it would have been so easy um, for Carlos to kind of... uh, change things formation wise personnel wise um but he kept his he kept his head even though they they obviously scored you know mid to late first half um he kind of he he had that faith in his own system and his players and it it obviously come up trumps massively in the second half i mean in the second half i was uh it was, it was wonderful, to be honest. It was probably the best I've felt as an Albion fan at a game for, for a long time, if I'm honest. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> I'd like to echo that as well, that I think we played quite well against um, Hull, to be honest. I think the same, same as Coventry started quite well. We were the most dominant team in the first 15, 20 minutes. We got the goal as well. I think the, the sort of general feeling there around the Albion is that if we can get to half time, we, we can get a result out of a game. I think a lot, a lot of it is we do start to store, store at the end of the first half because we're trying to just get to half time, and I think it's a good thing because when you look at our form from last season, we were conceding in the first fifteen twenty minutes of every game or every other game, and Carlos has sort of nullified that and removed that from our game, which which is a massive benefit. And I think we got the goal, we looked the better side. Hull played some good football, and I don't think the weather suited either either team to be honest because it was to torrential. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think we, we were poor towards sort of end of the f- first half. They got the goal in the 41st minute, I believe. And you hear these the moans and groans around the stadium, which is expected because we just conceded on, on the cusp of half time. And but I think we come come out the gates in the second half, and we were just m- much the better side again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like like I said, I thought we just we set our foundation up in the first half for me. Um, and it wasn't pretty, it wasn't thrilling. Um, and like you say, we got the goal. And um, I think people will look at our second goal and say it was such a good team move and whatever, which, mm. I mean, yeah, it was. It was fantastic. It was, loved, it was a great goal. I loved that first goal because we looked Hall in the eye and said, you want to play this game, we're going to press you then. And you could see that it was premeditated. You could see by um, Moet's positioning and his, tri- his uh, press when Jed triggered the press. 
and he mm. uh, pressed uh, Seri. You could tell that that was all on the training ground, and those those goals, they those are the goals that Carlos will be happy with because those are the ones that he's he's worked he's, on. He's worked on. Yeah. Those are the goals that are on the drawing board in the training ground. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. I think I was really impressed with how Carlos sort of attacked the game as well. But Rossini sort of is quite a similar manager to Carlos. We said that in last week's part of the football they want to play, and um, playing it from the back, sort of not possession based, but trying to keep the ball in their front, in their third as much as possible to, yeah. to build up. And I think he realised that um, they like to play through the two centre halves, and by having Wallace and BTA central pressing them as well, not 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 just Wallace's goal, but in the first twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. We were pressing really well and put them under a lot of pressure. And to be fair to Hull, they, they did play out of it seven times out of ten. But the other three, we, we were on, on their tails and we were running the ball back quite high up. And I think Wallace's goal, I think Wallace had a much better game overall. Yeah. But I think that that was a goal he had to finish. Yeah. I think he yeah. would have been absolutely blasted for that if he missed that chance to be honest. Yeah, well, I, I do agree. Don't get me wrong, but it's a tough chance to be honest on the spin. And I think he's done it. His, his first touch is so good. It's a brilliant, just, yeah, brilliant such time. a good first touch. And uh, but even then, it's it's not the easiest finish because he's you know he's, he's almost outside the box. Mm. Uh, obviously, the keeper's rushing kind of backwards, and you know he's he's in his goal. It's not like it's an open goal. Um, but yeah, it's a wonderful finish, and uh, yeah, one that he had to finish. Um, but what impressed, and I, I very much agree that Jed was massively improved on mm. Saturday. Um, his his uh, bit of play for the second goal, for Phillips's goal, um, yeah. where he just he's like on the halfway line and it comes to him and he kind of lets it go across his body and that opened up the whole of the pitch and uh, obviously slid, uh, slid Grady through and uh, then, you know, we go into score. Um, I think that's what you're kind of looking for from Jed, especially in the middle. And uh, I think that's a sign that kind of he's uh, acclimatising to this position that is, you know, new to him. Um, so it's, it's really good to see for me. I think that that's the type of thing that we need to see Jed doing more, like you say. And it's the first time I've actually seen something like that come from Wallace, yeah. especially this season, sort of on the half turn, looking for that pass. And I think that also comes with the resurgence of Grady's form, finding the better runs mm. in behind, maybe. Yeah. But no, I was really impressed with Wallace, and especially with, with that second goal as well. I think that that is the type of football which Carlos is looking to implement here. Yeah. And sort of where all this frustration is coming from with our fans of, Oh, why don't we just play play it up the field? Why don't we just kick it long and try win a second ball? But that that is how he wants to play football, and it is almost like Roberto De Zerbi-esque of sort of baiting the press, yeah. playing through the middle, quick, effective passing, and it was just so impressive seeing that like in real time as well. I think Moat is such such a great asset trying to play this type of system as well yeah. because. He has that quality on the ball, which Yukuslu like, and Malumbu and even Chalibur do, do lack in terms of turning on the ball, sort of picking that pass first time. Mowish is our best player at doing that. So, yeah, he's effective going forward and playing in a more advanced role, but he's also really effective in the build-up, yeah. sort of picking the ball up from our centre arts. So, yeah, I was really impressed with, with the goal overall. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that second goal, yeah. 
Class. Class. I, to be honest, in the in the ground, I kind of didn't realise how good it was. And uh, yeah. you know, I saw on the replays and the on the highlights and stuff, and you're like, shit, that was a that was a good <laughs> goal. It's great. Um, but yeah, I think I, I completely agree with you. I think that's that kind of football is what Carlos is definitely building towards, and um, he's finally, you know, starting to get players that uh, can play it. Like you say, with Moat coming back into the fold, um, Kipre, uh, Dean Garner uh, coming, you know, back into form. Um, they suit the style so well, and uh, I thought you, see, you saw it in the in the goal where it comes back to Kipre, doesn't it? I think, um, and Kipre plays it into Jed, I think it is, and uh, no, maybe Moet. I, th- I think, yeah, it's I think, yeah, then Moet to Yukushlu to Jed, um, and then over to Dean Garner. So the the three players I mentioned were integral to the move. Yeah. And you know, you, you mentioned about people moaning about playing it forward, blah blah blah. That second goal, that beautiful second goal, comes from a, a pass backwards from the midfield. The, the midfield passes it back to the centre backs. So this is this is that's why you've got to trust what Carlos is trying to do. End of the day, he's 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 a manager, a football manager, yeah. <laughs> and we're we're all we're all sitting on Twitter. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He's, he knows what he's doing, and uh, that's what he's trying to do. And um, mm. that should be, you know, proof enough for the for the boo boys and the moaners and whatever to kind of shut up. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, like you say, that. The, the general play, I understand it, it is frustrating sometimes, but for football has evolved. Football's evolved over the years. It, it evolved in the 90s, it evolved in the, the 2010s, but you have to keep moving with the times. And to just say, I'll just lump the ball forward, lump the ball forward, it's got to be better than this. I think that that second goal just epitomises just the football, what he wants to bring to the football club. And I think he has sort of sculpted the personality he has available to him to play that way now but when he first came in he struggled because he didn't have the personnel and he hasn't really brought anyone in that he wanted to maybe one or two signings but instead of complaining he hasn't got the personnel and can't play this way can't play that way he's stuck with it and he's actually trained the players to play that way which i think is more impressive than bringing players into suit the system so for fair play to carlos he he should have all the audits oh yeah definitely i mean you saw i think uh, i think we said it on one of our earlier podcasts that uh, you, you saw what Carlos was trying to cook up against Blackburn, first game of the season. Mm. Uh, it obviously didn't go to plan. No. He, and there was a, there was numerous, you know, flaws in his system. And what did he do? He started working on it immediately. Obviously, he went to that three at the back, got our solidity back, uh, kind of sacrificed a bit of, you know, attacking intent, even though we were obviously scoring a fair few goals in at the early part of the season. Um, and then as soon as we got the uh, the solid foundation, he's gone forward. And we've seen that in the last, you know, probably since Preston, maybe a little bit before. Um, we've seen that forward thrust. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and you saw it in that second goal. And I think you've got Pat Carlos on the back. Um, as much as he wouldn't like that. Um, he just wants to crack on. 
Um, you've got to pat him on the back about he's built this. Do you know what I mean? And like you say, he hasn't had the tools to do it. He hasn't spent mm-hmm. any money. Um, all he's done it with, and like I say, with Kipre, Moat, Dean Garner uh, coming into the fold, um, he's done it with his hands behind his back, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, I can't speak highly enough of him, to be honest. It's almost like he's surgically and logically looked at the side and gone from back to front and said, okay, this needs a complete overhaul. Yeah. <clears throat> he's worked with the defence first and said, okay, we need this to be solid. He's gone to the midfield and worked out his best midfielders, created positions for Phillips and Swift. Then he's realised the count now we need to work on the forwards. Yeah. And I think with of the news coming out today of DK and Madger sort of being on, on the verge of a return, that's going to be a benefit to us as well. Yeah. But I think now he's surgically not logically worked through the team, figured out the areas for improvement, and then maybe figured out the strengths as well mm. and played to the strengths rather than, than the weaknesses. So, as, again, as I said, I, I can't give Carlos any more praise than I already do. No. <laughs> and, and anyone that, that said throughout this season that he's the problem is just completely ridiculous. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, he is our future. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, whatever happens with the takeover and whatever, yeah. um, he's the main man. He's central he's, to yeah. us. Um, he's the best thing. About, he's the best thing about the football club, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He's he's at the moment he is West Bromwich Albion. Yeah. And I mean, there's not many managers or players or anything in our history that you could say that about. And I think it's testament that to what he's done over last year, um, that he is so you know integral to the actual club, not just you know not just playing football, but West Bromwich Albion. He's like the heartbeat of it, and uh, yeah, what a block. Um, <clears throat> so moving on to Hull, then, um, I think did 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 he play okay football? Yeah. Um, I think the, the one person that really frustrated me was uh, Liam Delap. Um, I think he frustrated a lot of people. <laughs> he, he did make some really good runs, if I'm honest. He did make some really good runs, yeah. especially with the one when he got in behind her Joey and Kipright. But Jesus, he, he loves to fall over, doesn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I can't fathom it to be honest. Like you say, he seems he seems to have the uh, the brain, a forwards brain, getting mm. in behind and making the right runs and stuff, and then it just seems to to go to pot for some reason. Mm. I mean, and he's it's bewildering that he's come he's come up through City's academy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. I couldn't believe him. I, any team with him up front will not be doing that well for me. Um, I would much rather Brandon Thomas Santa up front, to be Ooh, honest. If, 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 that is a big call. <laughs> Easy yeah, call. I, I think, for me, I, I was really bewildered as to why Aaron Connolly didn't get any game time against us and why he's yeah. been like, limited game time this season as well. I think he's a very impressive little player. Yeah. And he done well at Bristol Rovers last year. I think he was top goal scorer in League One or one of the top goal scorers. And I know he's had his troubles with injuries maybe the last season, start of this season and stuff, but I was surprised he didn't, he didn't get a cameo against us. I think his, his natural pace would have caused us more problems than Liam Delap. Yeah, uh, yeah I, would, I would agree with that, especially when you know, you get back to his Bartley and Semi. It's a... Yeah. Uh, as much as I love them both, it's a 
weakness to be exploited. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an odd one. I mean, uh, Connolly is clearly a very good uh, championship striker. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think Rosinia must see, you know, the laps kind of thinking and his, his footballing brain and think he's, this is going to come good, which, uh, you know, fair play to him. That's all I've got to say. Fair play to him. Fair play. Because, you know, I don't know about him. I don't know about him. I mean, you look back at the lap, he's Stoke, loan, and you're like, shit. Is this guy any good? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, like we said on the podcast last week, Phil Jean was a big miss. Big miss. Um, yeah, I mean, the, you can tell that Hall's strength is in their uh, build-up. Um, like I say, it felt like they just wanted to get the ball back into their centre-backs and build again whenever mm. they would it back, rather than counter, countering on us. Um, and obviously, I think Philogene is crucial to that because he won't be part of that build-up. Obviously, he will be sometimes, but he, he'll be running and he'll be getting the ball after the build-up has gone through the middle and running at players or running in behind. So, and then you've got, you know, Scott Twine, who obviously played on the left in his place. Obviously a great player, got an assist. But he's he's probably one of the players you'd want in the build-up rather yeah. than feeding the ball to. So, yeah, I think um, Philogene, you could tell how good a player he was, even though he didn't play, if you know what I mean. I think with Twine as well, just to touch on that quickly before we move on to Saints, um, he's a player that you really want centrally rather than out wide, I would say, but looking at him. Um, I think he played well on the left, but I think he just lacks, lacks that natural pace and agility that um, Philogene obviously has as well. There was a moment with Twine's um, free kick in the second half, I believe, and it was like, like a carbon copy of the one against Bur- well, the one who scored for Burnley against us last season. I was sitting in a spedic. <laughs> I was so nervous. But yeah, I think Twine's a great player, but he's one of the players you would ideally want centrally. I think I was on two fan wasn't the most impressive. No. Uh, if they had Philogene, it would have been a different story. But yeah, Hull plays some good football. And if they carry on the way they're going, I think I can see them comfortably finishing it in the top half this season. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, right then. So Saturday's game. Saints away to just before the international break again another international break which is the, the bane of all of our lives. <clears throat> um, Saints have really kicked on in the past six seven games or so after having a really really poor start to the season. I think they won and drew the first couple of games, but then they went on a losing streak of four. And I think the the played Sunderland, Southampton, uh, Southampton, Ipswich, and Borough in, in that time. Uh, Sunderland, Ipswich, and Borough in that time. Sorry. And they conceded 12 goals over those three or four games. Yeah. So it's not an easy run of games, but by any means, but it, it's very poor performances as well. Mm. Um, Russell Martin's coming from Swansea and obviously he's trying to implement this possession based football, which is famous for. He's implemented it at Swansea, done quite well. He played at MK Don's, done quite well. And it's took a lot, it took a lot of time to sort of sink in with these players, but it does seem to pick up a lot of momentum now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, they've won most of their points in the last six, seven games, mm. um, which is incredible, to be honest. It's 
I thought when I saw that, uh, because obviously Southampton got Russell Martin in very early, didn't they? Um, I thought when I saw that, that you can, you know, pack your bags, Southampton are going to win the league. Mm. Because players of the players that they've got, um, obviously at the time, pending who stayed and who left, paired with Russell Martin's football, it felt like a. It felt like a recipe for absolute success, to be honest. Yeah. Um, obviously, it didn't start that way. <laughs> very, very much the opposite, which I was really shocked to, to see. But yeah, they've really picked up in the last uh, seven games or so. Um, but I feel like they still have, not a massive weakness, but they can be exploited at the back, even with their, um, you know, the players I've got at the back, Walker Peters, uh, Premier League player, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Harwood Bellis, who you know was one of the best centre halves in the division last season. Bednarek, uh, James Bree, and obviously Bazuna in goal, uh, which obviously has been a lot of question marks about him. But I think he's a good goalkeeper. But I feel like Russell Martin's football, um, as it probably always has done uh, at Swansea. Uh, it kind of leaves them a little bit open, a little bit open yeah. to exploitation at the back. And uh, I think personally, we can we can really have a go at that. Yeah, I think. But when you look at their squad, it's completely ridiculous. I think after Leicester, but arguably the best squad in the league, they have the likes of like say Carl Walker Peters, but also the likes of like, Will Smallbone, who's a very good top championship yeah. player. Um, Sulimana was really impressed with the season as well. Even like the likes of Carlos Alcaraz, who was yeah. who was playing really good football in the Premier League in the last season. Yeah. I think when you look at their squad, they've picked up most of the points in the last seven games. They're sitting in fourth now. The the football's ticking a little bit better. That the it's it's start, starting to click now for Russell Martin here. And when you look at the teams that they've played in the last seven games, you have got the likes of Millwall and. Blues, Preston, Hull, like the the average championship sides. Yeah. So, sh- should they really? Because when you look at the way they've scored the goals and the way they've won the games, in the last three of the last four games, they've scored ninetieth minute winners or equalisers. Mm. Yeah. So should they really be struggling that much against the likes of Millwall and Blues? Well, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think it goes both ways, though. Um, I'll. Uh, I'll always refer back to um, Norwich when they went up. Um, I think uh, the first season when we went down under Big Dave, mm. it felt like every week because obviously we were chasing them for a bit, weren't we? Every it felt like every week you'd open up, you know, football, and it'd be like someone scored in the ninety fourth minute, ninety fifth minute, ninety sixth yeah. minute to win the game or equalise, and that is what won them the league hands down, because it's just one goal, wins you the game, wins you two points or wins you a point. And I think uh, Saints, they've had that this season. Uh, Like you say, against the teams that, you know, they're scoring against, they should be blowing them away. Um, But it's, uh, they did, (laughs) yeah, Uh, 96th minute against Preston to equalise, 93rd against Millwall to win. It's a... 95th against Hall to win as exactly, well. Exactly. Oh my <laughs> god! Um, like I say, it's I think it's it's a good quality to have, but it, mm. um, 
it's I think it's the situational where they should be beating these teams relatively easily. They shouldn't need ninety fifth minute winners and equalizers. Um so yeah, I mean I feel like even if we're losing two 0 I'm gonna be worried in the last uh, in the ninety fifth minute when they're gonna score another one. Exactly. And I think the most interesting stat that I was seeing regarding Southampton is that they get to keep a clean sheet at home this season. Yeah. Um, they've got a pretty average home record with uh, winning three, drawing two, losing two, keeping no clean sheets at home. It's com- complete opposite of West Brom, who have made their home the fortress. They're, there's the leaking really poor goals, conceding against poor teams. Is it the way that Russell Martin sets up on? I know you mentioned the way he sets up with possession based football and stuff like that. Is it that much of an impact that the way he sets up, or is it just a case of like individual errors as well? Well, of course it plays a it plays a part, but I think uh, I think Martin's football is expansive and it leaves gaps, it leaves opportunities to counter, and uh, naturally pair that, like you say, with individual mistakes. You're going to concede goals. And uh, yeah, like I say, I think they do have uh, a weakness in conceding goals. Um, Obviously, a lot of their goals were conceded earlier in the season. Four against Norwich, five against Sunderland, four against uh, Leicester. They have kind of started conceding one goal a game there. um, Mm. But like I say, not a lot of clean sheets to be spoke of. so, yeah, I'll, I'll say it again. I, I really think we can have a go at that. Um, mm. And uh, I trust I trust Carlos, of course, to uh, kind of put the right players on the pitch in the right formation to exploit that. I think if you look at the our next run of games, next run of five games or so, this is one of them where you look at it, like you say, and you think we, we could get something here. Mm. Like our away form has really improved in the past 10 games or so. Yeah. I think it, there was a stat where um, we hadn't. I think we'd won one game in eleven or something. We lost eight out of our last eleven games, going from the end of last season to the start of this season, uh, away games. Yeah, and now it's something like um, we've won two and then draw three in our last six away games. So again, to, like plaudits to Carlos, where he's focused on on the personnel and all that type of stuff, but. The, the away form, which was such a big worry among, amongst Albion fans, is focused on that as well, and has made yeah. us more resilient away from home, which, which is a massive bonus as well. So I think that looking at the way the Saints play, we'll be obviously sitting back, giving them more of the possession, same as we did against Hull. There'll be more opportunities to do like we did for our second goal, sort of playing through the middle, and that's one of Saints' biggest weaknesses. So look at the next five games. I, I can't see why we can't go there and get all three points. No, I, I don't either, to be honest. Um, I, you know, you, you look at our fixture list and I'd rather focus on ourselves, to be honest, and I'm sure Carlos will be the exact same. Um, I back us, to be honest, and especially after Saturday, uh, Hull are, you know, no, they're no joke. Uh, they're no easy game. No. Um, and it, it really gave me you know, I felt top of the world after we after we beat Hull. It felt like such a resounding victory and such a, a landmark victory um, that it made me feel like we can go on and beat the likes of Saints away 
um, like you say, not the best home side, and then mm. we play Ipswich at home. But let Man City come to the Hawthorns, Fortress Hawthorns. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Because um, of how good we are at home, again, I, I back us to win that game. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at, you know, one game at a time, Saints away. Yeah, I'll back us. I really do. I think one player that I'll be keeping an eye on, and I think a lot of the Baggis fans would as well, will be Adam Armstrong. Um, he's been in absolutely exceptional form start of this season. Yeah. 11 goals and assists in um, so many games. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's been he's definitely a level above the championship in my opinion. I think he should be should be playing Premier League football. Um, he's, he's a great centre forward. He, he's a natural poacher. He, he can run in behind. And if anyone's going to cause us problems this weekend, it's going to be him. Yeah, of course. I mean, arguably the best striker in the league. Um, mm. Obviously, Leicester have got a few decent ones, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, he's definitely up there. Um, I wouldn't say Premier League. I think he's the uh, he slots nicely into the Cameron Jerome uh, school of neither. Needs a league between the Premier League and the Championship. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Bloody Armstrong. You look at their wingers, and uh, you know Sulaimana and Ryan Fraser. They dozy, um, and then you got Che Adams behind. Uh, Armstrong in the pecking order. They've got they've got some strength in depth, that's for sure. Um, yeah, but I I look at uh, Alcaraz. To be honest, I really really liked mm. Alcaraz when he joined Saints uh, in January. It must have been January, and he looked at home in the Premier League. To be honest, as a yeah. really proper box to box player, he could score a goal and he could save a goal. Um, at the other end, um, and Flynn Downs, who for me should be playing for West Ham, uh, based on last yeah. season. Um, and I've, uh, I'm, I saw numerous West Ham fans saying the same kind of uh, sentiments, especially with Declan Rice going. Um, so for him to be in the Championship is just insane. Um, so those after uh, Armstrong, you know, you got you got a big old list of uh, players that you can look out for, aren't you? Well, yeah, I think just to touch on that as well, Flynn Downs is probably the natural processor to Declan Rice yeah. if you look, look at it from an outsider's perspective, anyway. So for him to be playing in, in the Championship is is just insane. Um, Chadams as well. I've I've been looking through the Southampton's fans um, on Twitter today, and sure. they're, they're not very impressed with him. <laughs> this season, so I think um, he was linked with the moves to Wolves in the summer, and a lot of the fans were sort of reluctant to sell. And he's been linked again in January, and the last two has completely flipped. They, they think that he's just he thinks it's too big for the club, and mm. he wants to move on. So I think he's had he started the season quite well. I think it was three goals in three games, and since then he's just been playing a bit part off the bench. Yeah, but he's still still a good. Championship striker, but I don't think we'll be having to worry about him on, on Saturday. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. And yeah. also with the likes of Mason Holgate on the bench as well. Oh, ex Albion. Yeah, <laughs> I, I loved him. I loved him at the Albion. Yeah, what a, what a right back, mate. <laughs> Apparently, um, the the fans are wishing that they never signed him now because uh, he's just um. I love him. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but he's frustrating fans quite a bit. He's not really getting game time, but when he does get game time, he's not really impressing. Um, interesting stat. He hasn't actually won a game that he started in since May 2022. Jesus. Which... <laughs> wow. Fair Start, play. Mason, I'll get them. Yeah. <laughs> please, Russ, please. Yeah, please. But um, no, I think it was a really good signing for us, obviously, the, the thing against Villa, but... Um, it, it's shocking to see how, how far we've sort of dropped off. Yeah. I think it, I, injuries have played a part, but... Yeah. I, I think he's a right-back as well, and I think mm. he's spent a lot of time at centre-back, and he's... I don't think he'll ever grow out of the immaturity that made him play right-back. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then that immaturity kind of had him bounding up the line, and that, what's made him, that is what made him exciting. So, yeah, I mean, I'd have him back all day. I really liked him at the Albion. Um, I'm just looking at their squad. They've got Ryan Manning, who was obviously... Yeah, with know, Swansea with Russell Marston as well. And, uh, yeah, he's he hasn't he hasn't started the last two games. I'm not sure why that is. Um, but, I mean, what, how can you be in a position to not start Ryan Manning when he was one of the better players in the league last season? Yeah, it, it, it's a very strange decision, and I think it's all to do with James Bree. I think yeah. Bree's, Bree's been playing sort of more like um, on the left the past couple of games. Manning was one I looked at um, in a thread that I'd done before the season as one I wanted to come to the Albion because yeah. I really liked him, and I thought before Phillips had that sort of role custom made to him, he would have been perfect for us mm-hmm. as a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a shame that he's sort of maybe dropped off in form or dropped off in chances because of Bree moving to left wing back or something like that or left back. I really like Manning. I thought he was, he was great last season. Um, so it's a shame to see him sort of drop to the bench now. But when you have a player like James Bree, who was very impressive over the weekend and last weekend as well, it's hard to sort of give him that game time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird one. Though. It's just, um, obviously there's good reason for it. Um, hmm. Russell Martin, that was what he's doing, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just I think it's a testament to their depth and uh, the pure quality that they've got in the squad. Where you can say to a player like Ryan Manning, "You ain't playing this week, mate." You know what I mean? No minutes at all. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's some squad, um, but I feel like we've uh, our boys can get at them, man. We can get at them. Well, I think that's all we have. Uh, time for for today's episode, Alf. It's a shame, but I think we've fit enough in today. Yes, <laughs> um, Thank you for joining me again. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. As always. Um, just to say as well, next week we'll be having a special episode of the Albion Social, where we'll have our first guest on to talk Ooh. about the, the quarterly Albion review, where we'll be looking at the start of the season, um, how we've played, how we've set up t- tactically, how our signings have got on how Carlos has, has improved the squad. So that will be coming out next week. So keep your eyes peeled is all I will say. Yes, indeed. That'll be a buster, that one. A buster. Thank you again for joining me, Al. All right. Thank you very much, mate. And I'll see you next week. See you next week. Cheers, bro.